Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman, and we like to begin our show with a prayer, and we will be praying the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, Mary, full full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your word. Hail Hail Mary, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, your grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ your Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This week, Bishop explains the roots of Catholicism in northern Indiana, going back to the missionary priests who first brought the faith to the territory that would one day become the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend. If you have a question for Bishop to answer on a future show, you can submit it at RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop or send a text to the Holy Cross College text line 260-436-9598. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop who is always so generous with his time to to share a little bit of his wisdom with us. So thank you for being here. You're welcome, Kyle. Great to be here. In the new year. Yes. And uh, one thing that comes up since you mentioned the new year is when is Christmas over? Because some people were were saying, you know, some people end at Christmas Day and 26, (laughs) you know, you're done. Uh, Some would go towards the epiphany. Some do baptism. There's a couple others. Yeah. In the liturgical calendar, um, the Christmas season ends with the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. Okay. Yeah. So we can still celebrate. That's right. So Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. (laughs) One of the things that you did recently was uh, a tour of the cathedral to some children, I think. Yes, from St. Michael's Waterloo. Okay. So today, if people are listening to this on January 8th, is the anniversary of the Fort Wayne South Bend Diocese. Well, it was the Diocese of Fort Wayne. Okay. It wasn't uh, Diocese of South Bend until... Uh, much later, but it was in the year 1857, and on January 8th, the Fort Wayne Diocese was established. And actually, two years before that, when the bishops of the province were meeting, at that time, the province was Cincinnati, 
the Archbishop of Cincinnati, John Purcell, who actually was from Mount St. Mary's, he um, had what's called a provincial council. It was the first provincial council. And it included all the bishops of the dioceses of Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and Michigan. Hmm. So that was the province. Now, Indiana at that time was just all one diocese, the Diocese of Vincennes. So they had this provincial meeting in May of 1855 at the cathedral in Cincinnati, St. Peter in Chains. And um, it was important. One of the things they talked about was Catholic schools, encouraging that there be a Catholic school in every parish if possible. It was something that the U.S. bishops had as a whole in what is called a plenary meeting in Baltimore had called for the same thing. Hmm. But on their agenda, well, one of the bishops there was the Bishop of Vincennes, and he was the fourth Bishop of Vincennes, Bishop St. Palais. He proposed that there be a new diocese for the northern half of Indiana. There were at that time probably about 80,000 Catholics in the state of Indiana. Okay. Uh, there were more in the southern half, but, but still it was a very big diocese and the Catholic population was growing. And he suggested that the northern half of the state of Indiana be a separate diocese, and he, he suggested Fort Wayne as the sea city. Okay. And the bishops endorsed this proposal, and that was sent to Rome, the proposal. At that time, the United States, we were a missionary country, so we were under the propagation of the faith, the congregation that's called Propaganda Fide. Now, what so, does that mean, then, if we're a missionary territory yeah it it doesn't come directly under the congregation for bishops it comes under the congregation for the propagation of the faith and those are areas where you know it's difficult for the church to be established because of finances usually uh -huh. young churches it's the same thing today they're missionary countries that are under the propagation of the faith not under the congregation for bishops so they need hmm. special assistance okay and so that would have came from from Rome or from a country that would sponsor? Well, it would United come States? from Rome. I mean, okay. Rome is the one who establishes dioceses uh -huh. and decides. I'm sorry, the finances, where would that oh, come from? Um, well, they, I mean, from the diocese established itself, but, but they would get missionary aid from okay. other countries through yeah. the Vatican. Um, they huh. might get some clergy help because they often need priests. Uh, things like that. Okay. Now, at that time, they proposed to be the bishop of this new diocese, Father James Wood, who was a pastor in Cincinnati. He uh, eventually he became the bishop of Philadelphia. So huh. they were thinking of that at the same time. So he wasn't chosen. There was another a Jesuit priest that they suggested, and they suggested a priest who was a pastor at St. Joseph Church in Cincinnati named John Henry Lors. Hmm. Father Lors was German-born. He was, uh, his family had immigrated to the United States, to Ohio in 1833. He was just 14 years old at the time, and he was ordained in 1846. So after they sent that recommendation to Rome, they waited for two years. It wasn't until this date, January 8th, 1857, 
that the Propaganda Fide established the Fort Wayne Diocese, but they didn't name a bishop. The cardinal, who was the head of, of Propaganda Fide, asked Archbishop Purcell for another list of candidates. And of course, Archbishop Purcell asked the Bishop of Vincennes, Bishop St. Palais, and he said he could only recommend Father Julian Benoit, okay. the famous missionary here in Fort Wayne, you know, French background, the pastor at what would become the cathedral. He became the one who actually raised the money for building the cathedral. So Archbishop Purcell recommend, but he had to recommend three candidates. So he recommended Father Benoit, mm -hmm. but he still recommended Father Lors and uh, another priest who was a Franciscan in Cincinnati. But his first choice was Bishop, was Father Lors because of the influx of German immigrants at who, that time. Whose preference was? Archbishop Purcell. Okay. So he submitted these three names, but his preference was Archbishop, I mean, um, John Lors. Uh -huh. You know, prior to that, his number one choice was actually Benoit, but uh -huh. he changed his mind. Okay. The cardinals of Propaganda Fide selected Father Lors, and that was on August 31st of 1857. So the diocese was founded January 8th that year. It wasn't until the last day of August that they selected Father Lors, and then the Pope a couple weeks later, confirmed it because it's ultimately an appointment by the Pope. Sure. So Father John Henry Lors was ordained a bishop by Archbishop Purcell. Bishop uh -huh. Palais was there, and the Bishop of Covington, Kentucky, was there. He was ordained a bishop on January 10th, 1858, so about a year after the diocese was founded. He was ordained a bishop at St. Peter in Chains, Cathedral in Cincinnati. Also interesting, the preacher of the homily at his ordination was was Bishop Martin Spalding of Louisville, who would become uh, an arch the Archbishop of Baltimore. Hmm. And then after he was ordained, he traveled to Fort Wayne. And then on January thirty first, eighteen fifty eight, Bishop Saint Palais presented him to the congregation of Catholics in Fort Wayne at the newly designated cathedral, which was Saint Augustine Church in Fort Wayne. And then Archbishop Purcell was there and installed him as the bishop. He was only thirty nine years old, hmm. um, and Bishop Lors appointed Father Benoit as the vicar general, okay, and made him the rector of the cathedral. So for all who are listening, you can remember how this diocese was founded in 1857, Diocese of Fort Wayne. It wasn't until, I always get confused whether it was 1957 or 1960 that it became the Diocese of Fort Wayne South Bend. But I think it's also important to realize that Catholicism in the territory that's now our diocese was there well before the diocese was founded. And so I, I like to study and read about that early Catholic activity in the territory of our present day diocese. Okay. You know, Fort Wayne was, diocese was the whole northern half of, of the state. In 1944, they established the Diocese of Lafayette mm -hmm. and Lafayette. I think that was like 26 counties. 
And then in 1957, the Diocese of Gary, that was four counties in northwest Indiana, that was taken from our territory. So we are now left with 14 counties. But it's interesting to to say, okay, when were the first Catholics in this territory of our present-day diocese? If you ever wonder, when was the first Mass celebrated? In, in my reading, it's been interesting. You've heard of Father Jacques Marquette, famous French priest, explorer of uh, the Great Lakes and the Mississippi River Valley in the late 1600s. There's some thought that he may have come into this territory because in one of the writings of Bishop Brute, the first bishop of, of Vincennes back in the 1830s, he said that um, Father Marquette had used the St. Joseph Portage at, um, at South Bend. But I haven't really seen any evidence of that. Hmm. I mean, Father Marquette, you know, very famous, he spent a winter back in 1673 and 74 near what is today the city of Chicago. And then he traveled along the southern shore of Lake Michigan. So he would have come close. He died on his way up to Mackinac. Is that how you say Mackinac? Yeah. I always forget. Uh, but I haven't seen any real evidence that he was ever in the territory of our diocese. Maybe some listener has more information. But there's another famous French explorer that I think we can identify as has have certainly been in our territory. And that was Robert de La Salle. Okay. Robert de La Salle was a French explorer and a fur trader. It was 1679. He sailed on, the, on Lake Michigan to the mouth of what is now called the St. Joseph River. Mm -hmm. I think they called it the Miami River back okay. then. We call it the St. Joseph River. And he evidently built a stockade there in 1680 at an, a location that's, that's now called St. Joseph, Michigan. He went up the St. Joseph River to the portage at present-day South Bend. Um, okay. And he camped there. So we know that De La Salle was in what is now South Bend. Now, what's a portage? It's a trail between two rivers. So this was really important in the early times. That's why we have the city of South Bend, really, was the portage. You know, we have St. Joseph Valley. There were native peoples around the St. Joseph River. And if one wanted to get from eastern Canada to the Mississippi River, how would one do that? One would go through the Great Lakes to Lake Michigan, uh -huh. come down to St. Joseph River, uh-huh and up the river to the portage at South Bend. And then they'd go overland to, that's what a portage is, it's between two rivers. Mm -hmm. So they'd have to disembark and carry their boats or their canoes to the Kankakee River. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, which flowed into the Illinois River and then that went into the Mississippi River. So the Native Americans used that and so did the French. Mm -hmm as a route to travel from Eastern Canada or even to go from Detroit to, you know, there was a lot of travel by this time from Detroit to New Orleans. How they, would they go? all the way around Michigan. Yeah, they would come on St. Joseph River and then they would 
have to go overland to Kankakee River through this St. Joseph Portage, which is at South Bend. And then go on the Kankakee River to the Illinois River to the Mississippi. (laughs) So we know that when LaSalle stopped there, he was traveling with three Franciscan recollect priests. Mm -hmm. So from everything I can figure out, that's where the first mass would have been celebrated by wow. in in what is the present day territory of our diocese. It would have been in 1679 or 1680. I'm not sure which uh-huh. year De La Salle uh, stopped there and camped there, but I would expect the priests would have celebrated mass. Sure. sure. Um, now, maybe there's a listener who knows of someone who was in the uh, Catholics or a priest who was in the territory of our diocese before 1679. Um, but uh, from all the th- reading that I've done, including our diocesan history, but also some other readings, that's what I've been able to find out. And then in the 1680s, the French established St. Joseph Mission in Michigan. There was a mission to the local Indians, and Father Claude Jean Arlue, Alue, Alue, was a a priest there, and close by, or at the same spot, I think, in 1691, they built Fort St. Joseph. So it's north of the St. Joseph River. It was a trading post and a military post. But there was a mission there first. Mm-hmm. So we had priests there, Father Alloy. Eventually, the French lost the fort in the French and Indian War in 1763. Now, the location of that is south of Niles, Michigan. So between Niles and South Bend. Okay. It's interesting. I was tr- When I first came to our diocese, I was trying to find it. Because uh-huh. I said, well, that's... That mission, because they would come into northern Indiana uh-huh. and the Potawatomis. And I was trying to figure out, because some people told me, no, the first mission in the diocese, uh, the first Catholic presence was at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And that was St. Joseph Mission. No, St. Joseph Mission was in Michigan, okay, between right. Notre Dame and Niles. Uh, as a matter of fact, they did discover the site of the, of the fort and the mission but it was only in 1998 that wow. they found it. Like, and they found when they were excavating. Yeah, they're okay. still working on it, I think. Huh. And in the excavations, they found a religious medal, a Jesuit medal oh, wow. uh, from the 1730s. Okay. So it's really interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have more of our diocesan history right here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives by providing products and services that save them money. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it away to our members' favorite charities. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.
Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop who's been going through some of the diocesan history. And it's so fascinating. I, sometimes I just forget that this wasn't always the Fort Wayne South Bend Diocese and Catholicism has existed in the United States forever. Not the case. So it's interesting to hear some of these origin stories. So I'm not sure what you have next for us here. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, we don't know of any Catholic presence in Fort Wayne. This okay. is up in, okay, you have this St. Joseph mission. And up remind in, us, when was that again, the St. Uh, Joseph mission? That was in the 1680s. Okay. And then in 1691, the fort. Okay. So the mission was there before the fort. The occupants of that area, the Native Americans, were the Potawatomis. They had actually lived in what's today southwest Michigan in the early 17th century, the early 1600s, but they had to flee because they were attacked by Iroquois Indians and they fled to Wisconsin. Hmm. But then some of them returned to, after it was safe, they came back to this area of Southwest Michigan and Northern Indiana around 1680. And that includes, they came to the St. Joseph River Valley. You know, it was good land for crops, et cetera. And that's when this St. Joseph mission then was founded. They had returned to the area. So the Jesuits, especially the priest who I mentioned, Father Claude Jean Allouet, was a missionary to the these local Potawatomis. So the, they were Jesuits. Um, Father Alloway died in 1689, but then there were several priests after him who served at St. Joseph Mission. Okay. And they would minister to the Potawatomis and to the French fur traders, soldiers. Some of these French fur traders would marry Indian women and then the women often would convert to Catholicism. Hmm. So we see that. Now, it was around this time, same time that that was happening, um, well, it was actually in 1722, that the French established a military post in Fort Wayne. And it was not called Fort Wayne. It was called Fort St. Philippe of the Miamis. St. Really? Philip, uh, Fort Miami for short. And that's when French Catholics came to the region of Fort Wayne. And French, again, French Jesuits came. And they didn't live there, though. They would come as missionaries. They would come at intervals okay. from Detroit, usually. And they would minister to the French Catholic residents in Fort Miami. Mm -hmm. uh, they were mostly French traders. By the way, they were the Miami Indians French there. traders or traitors? Traders, traders, fur traders. Okay. <laughs> uh, they were uh, mostly the wives also. Uh -huh. The village, by the way, before it was Fort Miami, it was a Miami settlement called Kikianga. Okay. So that was the original name of Fort Wayne was Kikianga. That was the Miami settlement. But the French built the fort there, Fort Miami. So we see the beginning of Catholics in and around Fort Wayne. We see the converts and the beginning of Catholics up in the uh, area of the St. Joseph River Valley in South Bend. Then we had, of course, the, the French and Indian War. So St. Joseph Mission up in Michigan declined at that point, was eventually uh, the, because the French defe were defeated by the British. 
the same time in 1763, the, the Jesuit order was suppressed in French colonies and in France. Hmm. So by whom? By the Pope. Okay. Yeah. The Pope suppressed, you know, it was influenced by the French king, but after maybe 10 or 13 years later, Jesuit order was suppressed throughout the world by the Pope, but so it started by suppression. What does that mean? It means it no longer existed. Okay. They were suppressed. So the priests had to join a diocese or another religious okay. order. Huh. So for about six decades, that mission of St. Joseph, the, the priests stopped visiting. I mean, there wasn't anyone to minister to the Native Americans, to the Potawatomis until about 1830. But it's interesting how so many kept the faith. And that's quite a few years when you think about it. That's like 60 years. Mm -hmm. The Potawatomis, who were Catholic, kept the faith during that time. And, you know, really at Fort Miami, the British took over and occupied Fort Miami from the French around that same time in 1760. Mm -hmm. By the way, they called it then Miami Town. And it became home to not just French traders, but also English, British traders, as well as the Miami Indians. But there was very little Catholic ministry going on. Okay. Uh, they had some visits from priests. It's interesting in, in the Fort Wayne then, it's called Fort Wayne because of General Anthony Wayne, who defeated the Miami Confederacy in 1794 at the Battle of Fallen Timbers. That's in northwestern Ohio. And then he came to Miami town and established a military garrison that's named Fort Wayne. And it was to protect the frontier against the Indians. In the Fort Wayne area, to a lesser extent, up in the South Bend area, there were new Catholic immigrants from Western Europe began to come over, especially in the 1830s. So what happened at this point up in uh, the South Bend area? Well, as I said, the Potawatomis clung to the faith. I mean, those who had become Catholic. Mm -hmm. There was a famous chief of the Potawatomis named Leopold Pokagan. <laughs> and he repeatedly requested a priest for his people to come back to the St. Joseph mission, which had been abandoned. And the superior uh Actually, Michigan was part of the Diocese of Cincinnati, whereas Miami Town, or what became Fort Wayne, was part of the Diocese of Bardstown, Kentucky at that point, uh, and eventually part of Vincennes. But this, there was a vicar general in Michigan named, named Father Gabriel Ricard. He was a Sulpician, and he's the one that Chief Pokagan kept asking uh, to send a priest. And he finally did. He sent a German-born priest named Frederick Rees, who visited the, the old St. Joseph mission and visited the Potawatomis in the year 1830. And he baptized Chief Pokagan because he hadn't been baptized yet. Wow. And also baptized his wife and 30 other people. And he stayed for about a week. So, so you have the return of mass and the sacraments. By the way, at this point, there were a lot of things going on about they were, you know, trying to remove the Indians from the area. You know, this was happening in our nation, and there were various treaties that prevented the removal of the Potawatomis. There was a, a famous Baptist uh, 
missionary in the area. His name was Isaac McCoy. He was strongly pushing for the Indians to be removed. So it's interesting how the Catholic Church and the priests were on the side of the Potawatomis trying to, you know, stop the government from removing the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Pokagon's group of Potawatomis was a largely Catholic group, tribe. So Father Ricard, who sent Father Reese to visit, then decided to send a priest to, to assign a priest to the mission, St. Joseph Mission. And that happened in 1830. And the priest was 62 years old. His name was Father Stephen Baden. And Father Baden was the first priest ever ordained in the United States. He was a missionary for, for several decades, but by the time he was up assigned to the Potawatomis, he was 62 years old. So he came from Detroit. He had been also previously in Cincinnati with one of the lay missionaries of Father Ricard, a woman by the name of Angelique Campo. And she knew the Potawatomi language from her, her own uh, mother, who was Potawatomi. Now, this was really important because Father Baden at first didn't know any Potawatomi. He didn't know the language. So he had her as his interpreter. And so did the priests that followed Father Baden. And they resided in Pokagon's village. When there was a treaty in the year 1830, and that, by the way, that revived the mission and the faith was reactivated, there were a lot of more converts. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there was a treaty which allowed the uh, Pokagon band to stay in the area, whereas many of the other Native Americans were forced to leave. Mm-hmm. Father Baden was, you know, established all uh, the sacramental life there. Many converts, as I said, there was a lot of, of activity, pastoral care of the Indians, as well as the French settlers who were there. And Chief Pokagon was a very serious Catholic. From what, I can, what I've read, he was genuine in his faith, although it helped him in becoming Catholic to not be exiled with the rest of the Indians uh, because they had these Catholic priests behind them. Father Baden lived at first at Pokagon's village, and um, he saw a need for a chapel off the reservation in case they would lose the reservation to the government. He bought a home, uh, I mean, he bought the uh, place for the chapel and his own home near the village. Then he bought more land two miles away to build a chapel overlooking the St. Joseph River. And then seven miles away from the village, in the year 1832, he purchased 524 acres in northern Indiana. And he called the place St. Mary of the Lakes, Sainte Marie de Lacs. And it had two lakes. That's why it was called St. Mary of the Lakes. Uh-huh. And he wanted an orphanage there. And he built a log chapel and a cabin. And he got some sisters to staff an or- orphanage, but it didn't last very long, a few months. And uh, that's the land that is the University of Notre Dame today. Okay. So this great missionary to the Potawatomis in the, in the southern Michigan and the area of South Bend 
didn't just minister people there. He was a missionary all over. He came down to Fort Wayne, we know, in uh, and came down a number of times between 1830 and 1834, because remember, they didn't have a steady priest presence in Fort Wayne. And actually, there were only about 300 people living in Fort Wayne in 1832. But then it started to grow because they began the construction of the Wabash and Erie Canal to connect Lake Erie with the Ohio River. So that brought population growth and economic growth to Fort Wayne. A lot of Protestant immigrants, but mm -hmm. also Catholic workers for the canal, especially Irish and, Ger and also German immigrants. I think mm -hmm. the Germans were more farmers. And it was Father Baden, okay, the same one who was ministering to the Potawatomis up near Notre Dame and who bought the land for Notre Dame, who urged three Catholic laymen in Fort Wayne to purchase land and they did some lots of land where our cathedral now stands. Okay. And uh, uh, and Baden left Indiana in I think 1834. That was the same year, by the way, that the Vincennes Diocese was established, 1834. So a diocese in Indiana in 1834. But it was then that Baden left. But he was an old man by then. Okay, so we have property for Notre Dame, we have property for Cathedral, but neither of these exist yet. We're still the Vincennes Diocese, we're not the Fort Wayne Diocese yet. Right. So, all right. right, well, let's take a break, and when we come back, maybe we can see where this story continues. If you have questions, you can ask them by going to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop, or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And we've got more of the Fort Wayne South Bend Diocesan history Coming up here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman, and it's just fascinating to hear this whole history of the diocese, which we still haven't gotten to the Fort Wayne diocese existing yet. Uh, I think you said Father Baden had convince them to purchase land that would be the cathedral and then the diocese of vincennes was established and then what happens next well you know father baden then left indiana in 1834 uh -huh. so in fort wayne no one replaced him so but priests would visit they were very sporadic but they were able to to finally construct a church in Fort Wayne, St. Augustine's, okay. by 1839. It was a frame church, it was just wood, it wasn't even plastered, had rough boards for benches, and so it was, it was pretty primitive. It wasn't until 1840 that they got Father, a French priest, Father Julian Benoit, who was assigned, and he was young and vigorous. He was okay. 31 years old, he paid the debt on the church, uh, of course, the canal, the economy was getting better. He did face some anti-Catholicism, mm -hmm. but he was pretty well respected in the community. So that's interesting. But but up in... in um, I'm sorry, would the anti-Catholicism be from the Native Americans no, or the Protestants? Protestants, okay. Protestants, yeah. Before Father Baden left... Uh, by the way, okay, so he bought that land where Notre Dame is. But remember, he lived, the base of the mission was St. Joseph Mission in Michigan. Mm -hmm. So they weren't really living, uh, it wasn't their permanent base, even though he bought, built a, a cabin at what is now, in the, on that 
24 acres that he bought and built the chapel, he wasn't really living there full time. Okay. He was traveling around. Sure. And his main base was St. Joseph Mission. Well, in 1832, two years before he left Indiana, he did get an assistant up there at St. Joseph Mission. But this time it was a Belgian priest, very, very good man named Father Louis de Sale. And that allowed Father Batten to travel more. That's why he was able to get down to Fort Wayne and everything. Okay. And he went to Chicago. And I mean, he was quite a missionary, hmm. but he had Father DeSale to help him. So Father DeSale is, is up there. Now, when Batten departed, DeSale took charge. He succeeded Father Batten. And it was around that time, right after he left, that Father Batten deeded that 524 acres, St. Mary of the Lakes, uh -huh. to Bishop Brute, the first bishop of Vincennes. So because Baden was leaving, he basically gave it to the first bishop of Vincennes. And Bishop Brute, who came from Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland, mm -hmm. where our seminarians go to seminary and where I was the rector, Bishop Brute was a very holy man. He was the spiritual director of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, came out first bishop of Indiana. He went up to visit St. Marie de Lac, the land that was deeded to him. In 1835, he had mass for the Potawatomies at St. Joseph Mission. Remember, St. Joseph Mission at this point is in the Detroit Diocese because it's in Michigan. Sure. And then when he visited uh, St. Mary of the Lakes, that's the first bishop to have visited the site that would become Notre Dame. That's hmm. interesting to note. Father DeSales was a really good priest. He loved the Potawatomis. He took good care of them pastorally, spiritually. He fought for them against their being deported, their removal. But then sadly, he died in 1837. There's a lot of stories. It's told that he went to the top. There were no other priests, so he couldn't be anointed or anything, but he went to the tabernacle himself. He was dying, so he couldn't celebrate mass, but he went and received Holy Communion mm. and knelt down and prayed and died in his bed an hour later. And the Indians came and they, they, they stayed and prayed by his bedside for three days. Mm. And uh, of course, we're deeply, deeply saddened. So Bishop Brute sent another priest, Father Benjamin Petit, two days after he ordained this young priest, Father Benjamin Petit, which was on October 14th, 1837. He was just 26 years old. He also became deeply attached to the Potawatomis. But not long after he was there, about a year later, or a little more than a year, the Potomies lost their fight to be able to stay, and they were removed by the government. Petit accompanied them on the trail of death. Hmm. It was a trail to Kansas. That's where they were being relocated. I would note, though, that some Potawatomis were allowed to remain in southwest Michigan, near Dewojiak, Michigan, including Chief Pokagan. But the majority, I think, were, were forced to leave. But they wouldn't go without their priest, and Father Petit went with them, mm. so he could encourage them, he could cel celebrate the sacraments for them. 
after they got settled, he started his return to Indiana. And on the way, he stopped in St. Louis and he died. He was just 28 years old. Um, hmm. So many of the Indians died on that trail of death as well. So Because of the elements. Yeah, the elements sure. and I guess disease. Sure. It was just a couple years after that, that the next priest came, Father Edward Soren. He arrived at St. Mary of the Lakes, which he called Our Lady of the Lake, mm -hmm. singular because he thought it was only one lake. It was all covered <laughs> in snow. Okay. He arrived on November 26, 1842. Huh. Father Edward Soren, the founder of the University of Notre Dame. Yeah. He also cared for the Potawatomis while he was there. In Fort Wayne, it was Father uh, Julian Benoit, who was really the, the one who was the missionary for the whole area, but especially there at St. Augustine Cathedral. Well, it wasn't a cathedral yet. It, was Saint, it wasn't a cathedral till the diocese was founded. Uh -huh. But he started a Catholic school uh, in Fort Wayne already in 1843, 1844, brought some Holy Cross brothers down from mm -hmm. Notre Dame. That was just two years after Notre Dame, or a year or two after Notre Dame was founded and brought sisters in 1846 from Terre Haute and Mother Theodore Guerin, the first saint of Indiana, came to Fort Wayne and the Sisters of Providence started St. Augustine Academy for Girls. Hmm. So that's the early history of Catholicism in our diocese. I mean, we could go on. I mean, I, I don't think I have time now to go to the history of Notre Dame or, or the first parishes in South Bend or the first parishes. Well, actually, in, in Fort Wayne, there was a parish already in 1849 after St. Augustine, St. Mary's Church for German Catholics. Okay. Um, I gave you what is probably, you know, more the earlier history that I right. I think a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. Uh, and I find it fascinating. I'm always learning new things. Like, I want to go to the archives at Notre Dame and study this period more. Yeah. Uh, I think I've studied a good bit. I read the letters that Father Petit wrote home to his mother in France. I really think he's a saint. All three of them, Father Baden, Father DeSale, and Father Petit are buried under the log chapel at Notre Dame. Hmm. And, you know, a lot of people will stop by there, but most people visit the Basilica and visit the Grotto. I always take people to the log chapel. It's a replica, but it's the same spot. It's an exact replica because it had burned down. But buried under the floor are those three great missionary priests, Father Baden, Father DeSale, and Father Petit. I think it's a very holy place. I love to celebrate Mass in the Log Chapel at Notre Dame. And then under our cathedral in Fort Wayne, Immaculate Conception Cathedral, is buried Father Julian Benoit and Bishop John Henry Lors and others. Yeah. Are they accessible? Is, is there like a visible... Like not at, no, not at the log. Oh, in in the chapel, log chapel. There's a pla There are plaques on the floor and on the on the wall. Okay. And in on the floor in the cathedral of the Immaculate Conception as well. There's a plaque of about Father Benoit. If you go up the main aisle, you can read it. Interesting. I mean, I really only took us up to 1840. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, and I talked about what happened in 1857. I talked about the establishing of the diocese, but remember how it began. It was the Miami Indians, the Potawatomi Indians, 
and the French missionaries. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for this history lesson. I really appreciate it. And it, for those that are listening, might not realize you have some notes here, but it's amazing how much you were doing from memory and years and stuff like that. Obviously, something that you have I, done I, a lot. I of love history. Uh, yeah, I love history. And, you know, I, I, as I said, I continue to learn, learn more. Yeah, uh, I really do want to visit. I've been up to where St. Joseph Mission was, mm -hmm. but I haven't seen the excavations. Uh -huh. So, you know, so I don't really have a lot of time, you know, but if I ever, maybe when I retire, I can do that. But, um, <laughs> we, we can do a truth and charity field trip. Yeah, we could do it. Yeah. And but there is a plaque on the road there about that. Here was the fort. It says Fort St. Joseph. Okay. But we know the mission was there. One of those universities up there, maybe West, is there a Western Michigan University? I think okay. they're doing the archaeological work. Huh. And I don't know how much they've excavated, but it's south of Niles, north of Notre Dame. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Bishop. Can we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Listen next week as Bishop talks about specific ways we can make our parishes, schools, and communities even more welcoming. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.